Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's okay. No problem. Don't worry about it. So often that's what we say when someone sins against us. It really has become a way of saying, I forgive you. That I'm not going to hold that sin against you. That it won't divide us any further. But I think perhaps we are belittling sin with those words. Perhaps those words have become so common these days because we've gotten so used to the reality of sin. The reality of its division and hurt that we can't take it serious anymore. We take the reality of sin, both in the world and in our lives, for granted. Even to the point of saying, it's okay. And that's why it's important that we intentionally begin this season of Lent like we do every Lenten season by taking another look at sin, by reconsidering its seriousness, and to stop taking it for granted in our lives, to stop assuming that this is just the way things are and always will be. Because God doesn't think that way about sin. God doesn't want us to get comfortable with sin, with our own sin or even the sin of others, but to be uncomfortable with it. We want to stop our resignation to sin and begin to live in a new way with a new life to be transformed by God's grace. Adam and Eve were the first to begin to live in a new way with a new life, though it was not a better way and life. They went from life to death, from perfection to sin. And the change was noticeable and severe. And they would not get used to it. I'm sure they would always remember the way things used to be before they were so deceived. And I'm sure they yearned for the day to return to the way things were. But there was no going back. For God said, the day you eat of that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. One rule God had given them, one law. One little thing. And they couldn't even do that. And from the moment their teeth sank into that fruit, they began to live on death row. As we heard, there would be strife in the world. There would be strife between them. Childbearing would still be joyful, but now also painful. Adam's pleasing work would now be toil. And one day they would return to the dust of the ground from which they came. For as we considered on Wednesday night, Ash Wednesday, the process of turning them back to the dust had already begun. And then when their children started killing each other, they found out just how destructive sin was. It wasn't okay. Just okay is not okay. It was a problem, 
a problem that they should take seriously. Sin cost God his son. So the question before us on this first Sunday in Lent is, have you grown comfortable with sin? Are you okay with it? And as you're thinking about that question, let's consider the temptation of Jesus. We're told about three temptations in particular, even though there probably could have been more. But let's hold these temptations up to our lives and see how we do. Actually, I want to hold up Jesus' responses to the temptations. Hold them up to our lives and see how we do. Maybe that will help us to see things differently. So first, Satan suggests that Jesus turn stones into bread. That was a reasonable suggestion, we might say, for someone who's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. But how does Jesus respond? He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When was the last time you hungered for God's word like you hunger for your breakfast, lunch, or dinner? When was the last time you even thought God's word was as important as those meals? We eat meals at least three times a day. How many times a day are you in God's word? Have you ever thought that without God's word, you couldn't live? That you would die? That every word of God is critical? In a Lenten sermon in 1534, Martin Luther said this, Before I starve for want of the word of God, I would rather do without bread and die of hunger. See, Luther recognized an important truth that we need to know. The word of God for our souls is even more important than food for our bodies. The present body is temporary. The soul that God feeds with his word is given food for eternal life. Spiritual starvation is a far more serious malady than lack of food for our stomach. If we starve ourselves to spiritual death, it leads not just to physical death, but also eternal death. Sin isn't okay, is it? The next temptation is for Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. Don't live in weakness and lowliness. Show the world the power of God when his angels come swooping down to save you. But how does Jesus respond? He says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But when's the last time you did just that? Put God to the test. Not wanting what he has given you, so testing him to show his love for you by giving you something different or better. Not satisfied with weakness or lowliness, but wanting power. Wanting something more glorious. Wanting God to act how we think he should or want him to. Rather than believing and trusting that all things are already working for our good. Again, sin isn't okay. And then there's the third temptation, which doesn't really honestly make a whole lot of sense to us. Satan asking Jesus to fall down and worship him. 
For who would do that? But again, Jesus helps us to understand with his answer that we actually do. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Do you worship and serve other gods? Think of it this way. Think of your heart as a temple. Who or what do you make sacrifices for? Who or what do you give things up for? God, certainly, right? But he's not the only one, is he? And while we do serve God by serving others and sacrificing for others that, that he has given us, serving them in our callings and our vocations, we get that wrong too, don't we? Lowering God and raising other people, other things, other wants, other desires. Being less concerned with God and what he thinks of us than what others think of us. Wanting others to to be pleased more than for God to be pleased. Again, sin isn't okay. And so God's word, again, calls us to repent. To turn away from our sin. To get uncomfortable with life here and now and the sin in us and in the world. And to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus for something else. A life that is maybe not easier, but better. A life where sin doesn't rule so much. A new life that reverses the way Adam and Eve went and goes from death to life, from sin to righteousness. Now, on our own, we don't know such a life. On our own, we follow Adam and Eve down the path of sin and death every time. And when we get used to it, we make the best of it, thinking nothing of it. Again, we get comfortable with sin. But then Jesus came along. And into this, it's okay, no problem, don't worry about it world, we see someone who lives and breathes freedom and forgiveness. He doesn't fall for the temptations of Satan like Adam, Eve, you, and me. He doesn't see things as we do. He isn't comfortable with the way things are. He fights. He fights, but not against you, as Satan would want you to think. But rather, he fights for you. He fights for you with the power of the cross. That you may have the better, the new, the different. But here's the thing. There's only one way for this change to happen. You have to die and rise. The old sinner you, the old comfortable with sin you, has to die. And a new person be raised to new life. But here's the next thing. While you can die, you cannot rise yourself. Jesus has come to do just that. Jesus has come to raise you to that new life. And to do so, he enters your life, your sin, your death. And he joins 
you and all that you are to himself, so that when he rises from the dead, you rise with him. You rise to that new life, that different life, that transformed life with him. As Paul said, that just as in Adam all die, so in Christ Jesus all might be made alive. In Adam we sin, but in Christ we are made righteous. One man got us into this mess, and one man gets us out. Because Jesus fought for you. He fought for you, and he won. He fought for you in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. He fought for you on the cross. And he's still fighting for you and sending his angels to swoop in and minister to you. Battle goes on, and we fight. But we fight knowing that the outcome is not in doubt. We know the outcome. We know that Jesus has risen victorious, and so will you. That's why it was such a joy to have the baptism of Sergio this morning. To see that in baptism, Sergio was connected to Christ in his death and in his resurrection. So that just as Christ died and rose again, the same thing is true for Sergio. The same thing is true for all of us who are baptized into Christ. In Christ, we are made new. In Christ, we are forgiven. We are clothed with his perfect righteousness. Therefore, this Lenten, this Lenten season is a new beginning in our life. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, be uncomfortable and unsatisfied with your sin by looking to Jesus, by looking to Jesus and what he has done for you. And receive his gifts. Receive his gifts and do it often. Receive his gifts of his word, his forgiveness, his very body and blood, which give you so much more than a, it's okay, no problem, don't worry about it. No, those gifts with his grace give you his life. Those gifts give you his victory. And with them, you have all that you need. With them, you are made new. With them, you rise. And with them, you are indeed walking through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. And that's more than okay. That's the blessings of life in Christ. Amen.